I'm going to hold it down here a little bit. How's everybody doing this evening? Everybody doing awesome? Good, good. That's what I like to hear. If you, if you don't know me, I'm Luke, just like Pastor Jeremy said. Speaking of Pastor Jeremy, if you not, did not see him in his sheriff outfit, you need to. I'm calling him Little Cool J to this evening because that's just, Little Nas X is, I had to give him a rapper name. So I just think it's awesome. I also want to thank Pastor Jeremy just for the opportunity to share this opportunity with me and to allow me to share what's on my heart. And I know that God has uh, just good plans for all of you, and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a good evening. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Luke. If you don't know my wife, Tori, you need to meet her. She's awesome. And I think she's the most prettiest, beautiful girl ever. And right after that is Seattle. Seattle is very beautiful, too. And she's a celebrity. If you don't know both of us, you know Seattle. I guarantee it. She She's the coolest little girl. She's 11 months old, or she will be 11 months old in a week, but it's awesome. But we're going to jump in here this evening. We're going to go to a little chapter in the Bible that maybe we've never heard of. It's, 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 kind, of a, it's kind of foreign, I think, maybe. I'm kidding. I'm speaking out of John chapter 3. This is probably going to be the most known verse you've ever heard of. You probably can quote it. We're going to be looking at John Chapter 3, verse 16. We'll be reading to verse 18 as well. But a little background before I get into it. The book of John is written by, surprise, a guy named John. He is a disciple of Jesus, and uh, he likes to call himself John the Beloved. And I'm sure, I'm sure he got some heat for this. He called himself the Beloved. He thought it was Jesus' BFF, only BFF. I'm sure Peter got angry, got upset, saying, if you know Peter, if you don't know the Bible, Peter is kind of a hothead sometimes. And he cut off a guy's ear because they were trying to arrest Jesus, even though Jesus told him, hey, this is going to happen. Peter still went for it. And he probably had really bad aim because he was probably going for the head and missed and got his ear. So I'm just saying, Peter is a hothead, but Jesus still loves him. He still uses him in a huge way. But back to what I was talking about. John is the author of this book, this gospel that is written here. And... Um, we get to chapter 3, and there's a guy named Nicodemus who comes to Jesus late at night. And I, I think, first off, before we get into this, I think this shows the heart of a leader, that he would come late at night and to come at a, a time when he can get one-on-one -on -one time with a legend, Jesus. Like, the guy who came here, he, he's still known 2,000 years after he left this earth. He's a legend, and he took his time out of his evening. He's a very busy dude, Nicodemus is, and he is a religious leader, so he's very busy. He had a lot of stuff to do, but we come to find out that he, he has become a convert to Jesus' teaching and that he's coming to ask questions to see what Jesus is about because he believes that what Jesus is here for is a real reason. He believes that God did send him here, but he's wanting to know why God sent him here and what, what his purpose is. And we get to John chapter 3, and we see that. And Jesus begins to tell him, to experience the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, hold up, be born again? How can I, how can I be born again? And Jesus is like, not, not, a, not another physical birth, but a birth of your spirit. You have to be born again through the Holy Spirit. And then we get to, to see how that happens here in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. If you got your phones, your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. 
It's going to be on the screen as well. So John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you that we are able to come into a place and to worship freely. God, I pray that in these next few moments that we will open our hearts and to hear from you. God, I pray you remove the distractions so we can hear this word that you've laid on my heart that these students need, Lord. I pray that you will speak to every single one of them. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in these next few moments. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to take the next probably 20 minutes or so to talk about this topic of shame and condemnation. And you're probably like, uh-oh, here we go. We're going to be talking about all, all my dirty laundry, all the things I don't want people to know about. But I, I think it's very beneficial to us to be to talk about this because we can't live a full life that God has given to us unless we actually clean out our closets and clean out the dirty laundry in our lives to experience the freedom that God has for us. And I think how we view God is very important to how we live uh, because if we view God in a healthy way, we live in freedom. We live in uh, just this healthy lifestyle and of this freedom that he gives us and so we're going to be looking at John 3, 16 mainly, but it says for God. So first off, I want to just point out God. God is God. He's all-powerful. It isn't just some other being. It isn't some other God from another religion, but it's God, God himself, God who created the world, God who created us, who created everything in this world. That's God, and he sent his son into this world, and the world that is used here is is considered us, a sinful humanity, a sinful nature. Jesus came into this world to save us, and he sent, God sent. That's the heart of God, that he wanted to have a relationship with us. So he looked at his son. He said, son, I, I need you to go. And be, while, while I'm on the topic of son, maybe you got a confused uh, motive, or not motive, a confused idea of what uh, how Jesus came here. Maybe you thought Jesus didn't exist until he was born in the Bethlehem, in the manger. No, he was already existing. In John 1, I'm just going to read it real quick. This is in my notes, but I'm just going to read it because I think it's very important. In John 1, it says, this is talking about Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That is Jesus. Jesus has been here from the very beginning. So Jesus came when God sent him. And that's the heart of God. He sent Jesus so you could have life and life to the fullest, everlasting life with him. But in order to get that life, you must first believe. And in John three sixteen, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes, whoever believes, as anyone, isn't a select few, it's anyone who puts their faith in God. But, but when we read the word believe, uh, and many other writers in the New Testament would use the word hope. But I think it, I find it unique that John uses the word believe. And you can replace the word believe with receive. You can't receive. I mean, let me, let me. To, in order to receive, you can't. It's not on our doing. It's never been on our doing. You can never be good enough to receive God's 
love and grace and this life that he's given for us. So God sent Jesus so we can. And to receive that, we just have to confess. Confess with our mouth and believe. That says that in Romans, that to, and to be saved, to confess with your mouth and confess that he is Lord and believe and you'll be saved. And that's, that's what God wants to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get real with you guys because I'm going to want you to get real too at the end. So I'm going to get real with you with some things that I've, I dealt with in my past that I think many of you in this room have, are dealing with as well. And when I was in high school, I, I fell into the temptation of looking at pornographic and watching pornographic stuff on the internet. And it, it held me down for a very long time because sin takes you further than you want to go, makes you stay longer than you want to stay, and makes you pay more than you want to pay. That's what sin does. Sin doesn't want you to, or doesn't want you to go further. The enemy doesn't want you to go further than that. So when I was in high school, I got caught up in looking at these images, and I was like held captive literally held captive, it felt like. My spirit couldn't go any further because of the sins and the lies that the enemy fed me. The enemy always wants to shame you where God wants to use you the most. And uh, that is very true because the enemy lied to me and said, if I was to tell anyone of what I was struggling with, that they would laugh at me, that they wouldn't take me serious anymore, that all the responsibilities I had would be removed. Because I, I was a leader in my youth group, okay? Like, I, I did what I'm doing now in my youth group back when I was in high school because God called me to this, and my youth pastor saw the calling on my life, and he gave me the opportunity to grow in the giftings that God has laid on my life. But I, I got so scared that when I fell into this temptation and all this, that this would be stripped away because of what the lies of the enemy is telling me. And... I lived in that shame for five years. Five years of freedom that I could have lived in, freedom that I could have grown closer to God, but I lived in that shame. And it, it, was, it was tiring, it was exhausting, and it was, it was rough. It was really rough. But I finally came to my senses at one point, and I went to my mentor, and I said, I am struggling with this, and I can't take it anymore. I, I've lived with this for five years. I can't take it anymore. This weight I, I, is, is gonna, it's gonna seriously kill me, I feel like. And he said, he looked at me. It was the complete opposite of what I expected him to say. It wasn't, it wasn't a laugh. It wasn't, oh, I'm gonna take away your responsibilities. No, it's, I'm gonna be there for you. Whatever you need, I'll be there for you. And not only that, but he told me, that he walked through the same stuff when he was my age too. So I was able to go on this path with him, with someone that's already been there, that's already come out on the other side of freedom, and I was able to use what he has learned to be able to get freedom as well. And this evening, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to do that as well. But God doesn't want you to live in this shame forever. You're not meant to live in this shame forever. Because God has never been mad at you. Maybe you think God's been mad at you. Maybe, maybe you hear God is a father and you have a bad father figure in your life. Or maybe you don't even have a father figure in your life. Or maybe there's the lies from this culture that says God is so easily angered. God is going to strike you down if you come in with any sin. God isn't like that. 
God is not mad at you. I promise you that. He's not mad at you. He's never been mad at you, but he's madly in love with you. He's so madly loving with you, and he just wants you to know that tonight. I remember the first night Seattle was born. Tori was obviously tired from after giving birth, and I was sitting there holding Seattle late at night. It was probably like 11 o'clock midnight. I was sitting there holding her. Tori's sleeping, and I was sitting there giving her a bottle with her big brown eyes looking up at me, and I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me. The way you feel about your daughter right now is how I feel about you. And I was like, I loved her so much. The moment I laid eyes on her, I loved her so much. And that's how God feels about you too. He loves you so much. And he wants you to know that. And when the Holy Spirit spoke that to me, it wasn't just for me. He said, that's how I love every single person. Like Seattle, I, I think she's the greatest daughter. I, can, I don't, she's obviously going to do wrong. She already does wrong. But, but she loves to climb up on and smack the TV. We have to get on to her for that. But it's okay. But I love her so much, and that's how God views you. And with that, talking about her climbing up and smacking the TV, sometimes I have to get on to her, and God has to get on to you sometimes. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is to set you correct and say, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want you to do this to get hurt. I don't want you to do this because this will trap you for a long time if you go down a path. I, I want you to be safe. Everything I do for my daughter isn't out of, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be safe is why I, I get on to her. And that's how God is with you. He loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you struggle. He doesn't want to see you hurt. He doesn't want to see you get, he just doesn't want to see that happen to you. He's so in love with you. And He's been pursuing you for so long. Maybe it's your first time in here this evening. It's not on accident. God, is, God has brought you here on purpose. And he's, he's wanting you to know how much he loves you. So I've actually went a lot shorter than I expected. But I think that's just the Holy Spirit, what he wanted me to do. So if every head bowed and every eye closed, if the worship team could come forward as well. But maybe you're here and you say, Luke, I've, I've never accepted Christ. This is my first time. I never heard about God. I never knew who God was. I always thought of him as this mad God, this mean God. Uh, but I'm hearing this this evening, that God is, loves me, and he loves me so much, and it's foreign to me. But I tell you this, it is very true. He loves you so much. And if you've never made the decision or the commitment to follow Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity here in a minute. So, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. This isn't some religious tradition that we do. It's just solidifying what God is doing inwardly in your life. And when you do, it'll be just that. It'll just be for you admitting that you need God. You need his love in your life. You need the freedom that he has for you. So if that's you and you've never been saved and you'd like to make that commitment for the first time, and you would like to receive this love if that's you, on a count of three, one, this is the best decision you'll ever make. Two, he's not mad at you. He's never been mad at you, but he's madly in love with you. Three, if that's you and you'd like to make that commitment for the very first time, please raise your hand. Some of us still struggle. It's unbearable. Shame comes whenever the enemy wants to. He attacks you when you're most vulnerable, but 
the enemy wants you to stay alone. He doesn't want you to have people around you backing you. He wants you to do it alone. I'll tell you, when I struggled with pornography, I fought it five years on my own because I thought I was prideful, and I thought I could beat it on my own, but I couldn't. I struggled five years with that lie the enemy told me, the lie that this sin that I was holding, this pornography is going to trap me the rest of my life. It's going to control me. It's going to dictate how I live. But I found freedom. And the freedom came through admitting it to someone else. Someone I respected, a mentor, and this evening, that may be you. Maybe you need to admit it to a leader in this room that what you're struggling with. And that shame can be pornography. It could be having sexual relations with a boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be your sexuality, trying to decide if you are a boy or a girl. It could be a little white lie you told your parents this morning or this evening. Or maybe it's just how you spoke to your friend, or a family member. Anything can cast shame on you. The enemy wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you buried in the lies. But God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to have freedom. He wants you to experience freedom this evening. So if that's you and you struggle with shame of any shape or form, I would like you to raise your hand. Be honest. Be real. Because you are only as strong as you are honest. If you are honest, you'll be stronger and you'll find freedom because you're honest. You have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with people around you as well. So if that's you, raise your hand. If you're struggling with shame, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. That means so much. Thank you for being honest. Is there anyone else in this room that you say, that is me. I'm struggling with shame. Thank you. So many hands. You're not alone. Don't let the enemy ever tell you you are alone. You're not alone. I'm with you. If anyone else isn't with you, I'll be with you. You're not alone. If you're struggling with shame, raise your hand. I just feel like there's more in this room that are struggling, but you're, you're, you're trying to be prideful. You say, I got this. You don't. I'm sorry, you don't. You don't got it. You will never be able to do it on your own. You need other people around you to back you. You need Jesus to set you free. You can't set yourself free. It's all God's doing. It's all Jesus is doing. Only you can experience freedom from Jesus, nothing else.